Hey, and welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. I am your co-host, Charlie Lisk. And I am Jay Jackson. Happy to have you. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. So we're here today, episode two. It's going to be a three-part series, so you have to tune in uh, you know, to the next three to really get the big picture. But what we're going to be talking about is the power of compounding privilege and why starting strong is so important. And we've broken that into to make it actionable for you. The top five things to do as a sales rep at any stage in your career. And so the main point of this is to achieve success, to be able to leverage compounding privilege, which we'll define in a minute. It all comes down to the actions you do every day. So we want to go through different examples of actions that you should be taking to set yourself up for success this quarter, this year, for your entire career. And then, of course, that's got a lot of trailing indicators that we'll talk about as well at some point, probably not today. So the way that we're going to break this down is we're going to look at it through the eyes of three different sales reps. The first one's going to be if you just started, if this is month one on the job, we're going to talk about it, the top five things you should do to be successful there. The second will be if you've been doing it a couple years, you're probably pretty good. Maybe you hit your number, maybe you don't. But either way, you have some more experience. That's a different take, a different set of five things. We'll talk about those in a following episode to this one. And then lastly is if you've been doing the job five plus years, you consider yourself a veteran. Uh, what are the top five things you should be doing at that stage in your career? Again, all to be able to make sure you're leveraging this powerful, powerful tool called compounding privilege. One of the things we want to make sure is that whether you're on your first month of the job or your 10th year in the job, that there's probably content in each of these episodes that's going to be relevant to you. If you're a veteran sales rep, uh, you might have missed some of this stuff and you might have overlooked it. So check out the first month and look at the fundamentals. Um, and for those who are new to tech sales, we encourage you to still listen to the last episode and look at what your peers who are five years on the job are doing. Is that fair? 100%. Yeah. And you should always be looking at the folks who are where you want to be. Uh, you know, and I'm assuming that if you're in this career today, you probably see yourself in this career or something similar or, you know, whatever it may be five years or so yeah. from now. So you should definitely sure. be tuning in to see what it is that you're trying to grow into. But there are different theories. So you, you want to jump into it? Yeah, let's jump into it. And uh, I think where we want to start is let's define compounding privilege. I'm familiar with the compounding principle where you make an investment and the interest you earn is on your principal mm -hmm. and then you make interest on your interest. Yes. It, basically, it's you know the, the money or in this case, effort and success that you get compounds on itself. And over time, it just creates more opportunity or more money than you previously would have if you didn't have this compounding factor. And so it's really the same concept as you're talking about with mm -hmm. you know, the financial system. We're talking about it in terms of uh, success and opportunities. So the actual definition for compounding privilege is simply the concept of having access to having good opportunities because of your current or past status, right? And status is achieved through success and opportunity just kind of compounds from that. And we can talk a little bit about what that means. So to you, Jay, you've been in your career a little bit. What is compounding privilege to you? And how have you seen some little actions or things that you've done, successes you've had in your past, 
that have led you to a better position to that? Yeah. One of the things you and I've been able to do is draw a line towards the little things that we've done from the first days of our sales career to see how those little things build upon each other. Mm-hmm. When we started brainstorming this idea of compounding privilege, it really came naturally, uh, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the whole point of the compounding privilege, right? Is that you should be focusing on making and having these little successes, but these build upon themselves naturally throughout your career. And so that's how I'm several years into my sales career. And that's how I think I've seen it is that they build upon each other naturally. And and that's how it's supposed to work. Uh, We talked about that line going from action to opportunity to action to opportunity to action to opportunity ad finitum. But I really believe it and I've seen it in my career. Yeah, I've certainly seen it. In some of these, we'll talk about, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of give examples as we go, I suppose. But really, it's the ability to take your actions that you do every day, accomplish something, be it top sales rep, X amount of percent of your quota, taking on a leadership role, getting senior rep, getting promoted to manager, getting promoted to the field, whatever all that stuff looks like. The earlier you can achieve all of those things, when the time is right, of course, don't rush into a new role, but the earlier you can achieve things, then you can build on those opportunities. And you and I were even talking about this too, about uh, you know, kind of running through the questionnaire of if a manager is looking at his territory and then looking at all the reps that he has, and he's got a really important deal coming up that next year or you know, a, a really good territory or a good account or something like that that he wants to make sure that they're successful with, who do you think he's going to put on it? His best rep or like an okay rep? His best rep. Right. And so... I mean, and and how do they look for that, right? I mean, these managers look for these best reps based on, you know, are they leaders? Have they proven themselves in the past? Have they dug me out of a hole before? Are they consistent? Is what they forecast they close, right? And so your ability to achieve and to kind of knock these things off as you go throughout your career really just sets you up into a place to where you will get cherry picked for these certain opportunities that other people simply won't get. And then if you can succeed in that role, then what's the next thing that happens? He turns around and says, hey, we got this really big deal or this really big account or this really big something the next year. Who do you think he's going to pick for that? And so the idea of compounding privilege is that by achieving and by becoming successful in one arena, you then simply get access to better opportunities and can then go achieve in those arenas as well. And let me ask you, who's got the better probability of reaching their number and making a bunch of money in one year. A rep who's got a generic territory with not much going on, or a rep that got put into a named account where there's a big renewal coming up, but there's a lot of work to do, but we do know that it's very important it can be done. Yeah. Who's got the better probability? It's the second. Yeah. And so you want to be put on these things. So let's jump into really the meat of it now that you probably understand what compounding privilege is. And that'll be the consistent theme throughout the next three episodes in this little mini series that we're doing. Again, with the first one focusing on, if this is your first month in the job, what are the top five things that I need to be doing right now to be successful, to link these actions to opportunities and opportunities to actions to then be able to take advantage of compounding privilege? You ready? Yeah. So before we get there, Charlie, let's talk about the frame of mind that the new reps have to get in when they come into the seat or they start their sales career. Yeah. And so all five of these things really uh, make up the theory of the top five for brand new reps. And really what you should be looking at is 
demystifying things that you're scared of because you don't understand them. And you do this so you can build confidence that is required to succeed in your role. And remember, success is the number one criteria, early on success is the number one criteria for enabling compounding privilege to go to work for you. Just like investing your money early allows you know financial compounding privilege to go to work for you. And that's really the whole concept that this is based on. So in the very beginning, your focus should be on volume of work, volume of activity to find what works for you, and then double down on the things that you find are more your style, are more uh, you know complementary to whatever your yeah, strengths and traits are. And then we want to focus on quality of those activities. So in the very beginning, the top five, you got to, number one, admit that you don't know anything but not let that kill your confidence. Number two, double up on your business and your technology training. Number three, you've got to build relationships with your solutions consultant, sales consultant, whatever you call them, your sales manager, the smartest reps around you, and then of course partners in your space. Number four, you've got to listen to as many live calls with customers as you can. And number five, sit in on as many strategy sessions for accounts larger than the accounts that you sell to right now. That's the top five. That's brilliant. So let's jump right in. Let's talk about the demystifying the fear, the breaking down the walls, the making your way through the confusion. Yeah. How it, do you start? How do you? Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's the biggest part, right? I mean, it, one thing to clear up is most people see confidence as a trailing indicator to success when in fact it's the other way around. You've got to be able to bring that confidence to a situation for you to be able to be successful in it. We've all gone into, and if you're brand new, you probably haven't figured this out yet, but you can imagine, we've all gone into sales calls where we've just not been confident and they just don't turn out well, right? People don't buy from us if we're not ourselves sold and you can see that when you don't have the confidence going into something. So how do you get then confidence when you haven't been able to sell anything so you don't know if you should be confident, right? It comes from demystifying the things that you're scared of. Just like anything that people don't understand, they're scared of it. You don't understand the sales process. You don't understand the technology. You don't understand the business you're selling into, therefore you're scared of it. You're scared to get on the phone and talk to somebody about solving their business problems when you don't know what their business problems are. And you should be rightfully scared. So what do you do? You have to admit that you don't know any of this stuff. Ask for the help, ask for the training, and really go around and just not let that kill your confidence from the beginning, but let it build the confidence that ultimately when you do get on the phone, you're gonna stumble, we all do, but at-bats is really one of the most important things you can get right now. Talking about volume, right? You've gotta get a high volume of training, you've gotta get a high volume of talking to other reps. This is kinda of consistent throughout the top five. But to be able to do that, you can't go in and pretend that you know everything. You gotta go in and be real with yourself and be real with other people and if you can be vulnerable like that, people will help you. You will get the training that you need. You will get the attention that you need. And that really rolls us into the second point, which is you've got to do more than you think you should do yeah. in terms of training on business and technology. Yeah. I think that's where and how I started to demystify fear for myself in sales. I'm somebody who, when I get on the phone or when I walk into a room, I want to be the most prepared. Oh, yeah. And so by spending extra hours learning the products you're working on and the products you're not working on by learning your sales processes. That's how you get more prepared. And that for me was one of the first steps in demystifying any fears I had around selling. 
Yeah. And really it goes, it goes for anything, right? Like if you don't know what to expect, you're going to be scared of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it, um, it, that's just simply it. So, you know, one of the things that I think both of us did well in the beginning of our career, uh, and you hats off to you, man, you still do so much in terms of educating yourself on the technology and getting certifications and all this kind of stuff, but your sales reflect it, right? Your relationships with your customers reflect it. But you've got to do more training than you think. The company yeah. will give you, as a new rep, the company will give you a standard amount of training. You probably went to some boot camp and did that for you know X amount of time. Um, but the things that they tend to teach you are some sales process stuff, and then they'll teach you some technology stuff. Depending on where you start you know, and, and how much of this you understand coming in or not, take the amount that they're giving you, double it. And then that should be the right amount to get you that confidence sooner. Because you got to think, if you can build the confidence sooner because you know what you're talking about sooner, or at least a little bit more than you did, then you're making calls on week three, whereas the rest of your peers are making calls on week five and six. You've already got two weeks ahead of them. That's the power of compounding privilege. Yeah. And I think building this strong foundation of sales and of the business and of the technology is what helped me overcome any telephonophobia that I had when I <laughs> thought about sales. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's what built my confidence as a sales rep. Telephonophobia is so funny. I mean, yeah. I mean, I used to watch new reps, some new reps like uh, robocall, um, yeah. some numbers that could just like bounce them around, you know, a little like electronic uh, you know, <laughs> you know, voice dialing thing or whatever. And they'd count it as a call. They'd get their reps in or whatever. But it just, it's so sad. But the only reason they do it is because they aren't confident in what they're doing. You've got yeah. to get educated if you want to take this seriously. And, uh, and it's a very simple way to do it. Okay, so let's move to who's going to help you. Number three, you've got to build strong relationships with your SCs, with your managers, with the reps that are killing it all around you, and with the partners in your space. Now, when it comes to SCs, Jay, what have you seen? Why is that relationship important, especially when you're you're starting out and trying to learn as much as you can in the technology world. Yeah, your solution engineers, the guys who are smarter than you about the technology are the ones who are going to help you with our second point in doubling up on the business and technology learning. They've been doing this longer than you have, and they can tell you the things you need to know about the technology, the things that are important, and the things that are, quite frankly, important to your customer. So solutions engineer is my first go-to before my manager because that individual is my biggest wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, half the time managers are frankly just people like you that just been doing a little bit longer. So getting a different perspective, uh, you know, on things from your SC is certainly a good thing to do, especially in the technical world, right? I mean, we all sell tech. Um, you know, they really should be some of the go-to people uh, and going for that. Now, really quickly too, the other important part about the solution engineer is that there's a sense of mutualism there, right? When yeah. you succeed and you're able to become a better sales rep and you know your stuff, you succeed and they succeed. They're measured on a lot of the same things that you are. Yeah. And actually, that brings up a good point. If you aren't clear on how SCs get paid, that is one of the things that you should ask. There's a lot of them that go into a pool, uh, you know, and they'll get bonuses based on how the business did or how a particular, you know, like GVP that they roll up to did something like that, right? So yeah. either way, it's likely tied to your success as a sales rep. The more you sell, the more money they make also. So they've got a lot of uh, skin in the game when it comes to that. But you've got to build that relationship with them just like your manager 
because they're probably covering anywhere between five to 10, sometimes 12 other reps, just like you, all trying to go get their time. And they don't have enough time for everybody. So you've got to build some kind of relationship there. They've got to know that they can trust you. They've got to know that if they spend their time with you, it's going to result in something because you really do want to learn. People will always help someone who really comes to them and wants to learn. You know, so you've got to be able to have that reputation with these, uh, these resources to be able to get the training from point number two that we talked about. Yeah. And I think the last part of number three that I want to cover of building these relationships is the other reps on the floor, the other people who are succeeding and is you have to latch onto those people and, and there might not be as much mutualism there because yeah. what can you offer them in the beginning? But you're going to learn from them. And one day when you're succeeding or you have a deal cycle that they can learn from, they're going to benefit from helping you. So latching on to the smartest reps and sometimes even latching onto your manager can be really helpful. Yeah. And you know, the last point on this, and it kind of rolls into point number four about being on as many calls as you can, partners are a really good resource for your space. Now, depending on your business, depending on who, you know, what company you work for, uh, a channel or partners are generally a sales strategy of most software companies. And those are independent little agencies, independent little companies that go out there and resell your uh, company's products. And, you know, as a result of that, they normally get to implement the, you know, do high paid services on top of that. That's how they make money. Yep. Nice thing about that is, is those partners are always trying to get with sales reps from these tech companies to be able to sell into your accounts. They want to help you run sales cycles and want to help you run deals because then they'll get the services on top of it. So if you don't have any smart reps around you, you don't have any good reps maybe uh, to look at everybody around you, you know, just as inexperienced as you are, or maybe the smartest people in the room won't you know, help, maybe they don't have time or maybe they're just a dick or whatever the situation may be, leverage those partners. Use them to sit on those calls and to learn from them as much as possible. And in exchange, let them into your account set, let them into your territory and sell together. That's what they want anyway. So it, you can get a little bit more reciprocity with partners and, and sometimes you can a, a peer rep. Yeah, for sure. And that brings us right into our fourth one, which is to listen to as many calls as possible. Uh, this is just a matter of volume of exposure of learning as much as you can by drinking from a fire hose sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, you're scared of running your own call because you don't know what a real call sounds like. I would guess that, you know, for the people who have what you call it, phonophobia, telephonophobia, <laughs> <laughs> telephonophobia for people who have telephonophobia, uh, it's likely because they've just never heard what a real live customer call sounds like. Yeah. You know, you maybe did some, uh, you know, some role play in training, but that stuff has its place. It is not a replacement for, in this case, in this strategy, listening to a real live sales mm -hmm. call. And so going back up to whether it be a relationship with your SC, your manager, other reps or partners, being able to tap into them and just sit in the background, be a fly on the wall and just listen to how those calls go. Two things really come out of that. One, you get to hear how good people run calls. And then you can even ask them like, hey, you know, I kind of hear you doing this on multiple calls. Is that part of your process? Whatever. So you can learn that way. And then the second is you'll learn that you can do it. Yeah. The nice thing about it is, yeah, like once you listen to other people on calls, you're like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, 
you you do you get a little bit of that confidence because you recognize that it's not just this crazy thing that uh, you know these folks are out doing it's just you know they've got a process for it you just talk to people people who are talking to you normally have a problem they want to solve so they'll play ball you know so it's you know by demystifying it through reps then you're going to be much better off than if you just try to go in and hammer out all these calls without ever actually hearing some first yep yep and so by having this learning mindset that's how you're going to succeed and this takes us to our point number five of sitting in on as many sessions and strategy sessions as you can with your management, with your teams. Yeah. What's helpful is obviously to get good examples of accounts that you're selling into, right? Like, you know, similar size accounts. Let's do it, you know, by employee account, for example, if that's how you break up your territory to your company. So if your account set, you are selling to companies with an employee account of 50 people up to 200 people, Right. You definitely obviously want to listen to how people strategize on accounts just like that because you'll be able to kind of directly yep. translate what they do back to your stuff. But then go to the next group up and listen to more strategic reps, maybe people covering companies that have 500 employees up to 2,000 employees or maybe 10,000 or 100,000 employees. If you can get your hands on any of this knowledge that they're using and how they approach an account, what you're looking for is how do they think. You want to see how they think about their account. You want to see what kind of research they do. And then how do they then take that ball it up into a strategy and start to act on it today? So the idea here is to get out and see as many of these as possible so you can bring it back, try it in your account set, and ultimately develop your own style. When you're first born, you don't have a style, right? It's the influences around you that help craft that. And then over time, you find what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And then ultimately, you have your own voice, your own style. And so when you're first starting in this job, you don't know how you want to attack a territory. You don't know how you want to attack a discovery call. But you go out, you gather as much information and as many other styles as possible, bring it back, try it, hone in on your own. And then now, all of a sudden, you're starting to develop your concept and your sales strategy and your territory strategy just based on what finally works for you. But you can't test and iterate if you don't have anything to test. So go sit in on other sessions. Yeah. And that wraps it up perfectly of what we're trying to cover today is that, I mean, the whole net of it is, is that you're just learning. By having a learning mindset, by being vulnerable and by working your butt off, you're going to get exposure and, and your favorite word is perspective. This in this first yeah. month, if you can build perspective, then that's going to compound on itself for a successful sales career. thousand percent. And I love how you wrap that up. You know, end of the day, this stage in your career, it's all about volume. Talk to as many people as you can, sit on as many calls as you can, build as many relationships as you can, sit on as many strategy sessions as you can, volume, volume, volume. And then you can take it in to see what works for you and then start to work on quality versus quantity and develop your own style. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think we're done. Yeah, and so tune in to the next episode for somebody who's in a couple of years into their sales career and the points that are important to them. Perfect. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. See ya.